You are listening to a message from Foothills Church in Miraville, Tennessee. More information about Foothills Church can be found online at foothillschurch.com. All right, it's good to be with you and sharing this morning. We're going to be in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 15. We're going to talk today about the prelude to a party. And what we're going to read today are three stories that Jesus tells in response to a conversation that he's listening to. There were some religious leaders, kind of bigoted, prejudiced religious leaders, Jewish religious leaders called Pharisees, that see these folks coming up and gathering around Jesus. They're racially different than Jews. They're Gentiles, which would be people like us. And then there are tax collectors. They are Jews, but they sold their soul, they think, to the Roman Empire. And they're they're collecting taxes on their own Jewish people, and many times defrauding and adding more money, corrupt IRS agents, if you will. And then there are literally people who have done terrible things in the minds of these Jewish leaders. And all of them begin to gather around Jesus, and they make this statement. And the conversation is going something like this. These people are not valuable. These people are not worthy. He's not from God, because if he were, he would not be hanging out with these kinds of people. And in the context of this conversation and and this idea of these religious leaders who are supposed to be representing God, but they're absolutely misrepresenting God, they're making a conversation about who really matters in life and who really matters to God. And as Jesus hears this conversation, he wants to clear up any doubt about who really matters and who really matters to God. So he tells these three stories. A story about a lost sheep, a story about a lost coin, and a story about a lost son. Now, the lost sheep represents people who just simply wander away from the Father. They're not doing anything evil or rebellious. They're just eating grass. They keep eating grass. They follow the good grass. They keep eating grass. They end up somewhere else, and all of a sudden, they raise their head and go, where did the other sheep go? Where's the shepherd? They didn't do anything evil or rebellious. They just weren't intentional, daily intentional, about keeping their focus upon the shepherd and end up far away. Then there are those who represent the lost coin. A woman has 10 coins, she loses one. These people represent those who perhaps have been treated carelessly. Maybe there are folks in their lives that did not respond to them well, didn't care for them well, didn't protect them well. Maybe they came from parents who did not love them well and and maybe left them. And these are just people that may have been hurt by uh, even church leadership or pastors or staff people or religious people. These people just weren't treated well. They weren't cared for well, and they end up finding themselves lost. Then the last group of people, the son, represents those who rebelliously and intentionally choose to go away from God. Choose to go away from God. Now, I'm not going to make a distinction today between lostness in the sense of people who are lost, they are far from God, they've never become a Christian, they're not followers of Jesus, and those who may consider themselves followers of Jesus, but they're lost. I'm just believing there are many people today here listening online who are far from God. Living in the far country, just can't seem to get it right. They, they don't know what's going on. And in the midst of this conversation about who's valuable and who's not, and who matters to God and who doesn't matter to God, Jesus 
tells this story. Chapter 15, verse 1. Now the tax collectors and sinners were all drawing near to him, and the Pharisees and the scribes grumbled, saying, This man receives sinners and eats with them. So he told them this parable. What man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he loses one, does not leave the ninety-nine in the open country and go after the one that is lost until he finds it? And when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders, rejoicing. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and his neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep that was lost. Just so I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over ninety-nine righteous persons who need no repentance." Or what woman, having ten silver coins, if she loses one coin, does not light a lamp and sweep the house and seek diligently until she finds it? And when she has found it, she calls together her friends and neighbors, saying, Rejoice with me, for I have found the coin that I lost. Just so I tell you, there is joy before the angels of God over one sinner who repents. And then the third story, he says, There was a man who had two sons, and the younger of them said to his father, Father, Give me the share of property that is coming to me. And he divided the property between his two sons. And now many days later, the younger son gathered all he had and took a journey into a far country. And there he squandered his property in reckless living. And when he had spent everything, a severe famine arose in that country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country who sent him into the fields to feed pigs. And he was longing to be fed with the pods that the pigs ate, and no one gave him anything. But when he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread, but I perish here with hunger. I will arise and go to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants." And he arose and came to his father, but while he was away, a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion. And he ran and embraced his son, and he kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and before you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Bring quickly the best robe and put it on him, and put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet. And bring the fattened calf and kill it. And let us eat and celebrate, for this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found, and they began to celebrate. Amen? Now, ah, gee, we were doing so well. Now his older son was in the field, and as he came and drew near to the house, he heard music and dancing, and he called one of the servants and said, what's going on? And he said to him, your brother has come home, and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has received him back safe and sound. The older brother was angry and refused to go in. His father came out and entreated him, but he answered his father, Look, these many years I've served you, and I've never disobeyed your command, yet you never gave me even a young goat that I may celebrate with my friends. Wah! But when these sons of yours came, who has devoured your property with prostitutes, you killed the fattened calf for him, and he said to him, Son, you are always with me, and all that is mine is yours. It was fitting to celebrate. Be glad for this. Your brother was dead and is alive. He was lost and is found. Amen. There really is no gray area. As the message on the sermon bumper said, you're dead or you're alive. You're lost or you're found. You're in the far country. You're living in the Father's house. There is no in between. And most people fit into one of these three categories. Many of us right now are lost. We've wandered away. We simply don't know why. We don't know how we got here. We're just not where we want to be. We're away. Others have been carelessly handled like the woman's coin, haven't been cared for well, haven't been protected well, haven't been loved well, and we find ourselves away. And some of you know you're living wrong. Some of you know you're living in this far country. Some of you have chosen it specifically. Now, the key to this story is what the Pharisees said. They really preached the best message in these stories. Even though what they said was meant as a criticism against Jesus. When they said to him, this man receives sinners and he eats with them. They meant this as an amazingly derogatory comment 
And yet God means it as the thrust for the entire word of God. Jesus welcomes sinners. Are there any sinners out there? Can I get an amen? Aren't you glad that Jesus welcomes and eats with sinners, of which Paul says, and I put myself in Paul's category, of which I am the chief. Those who wandered away, and they don't know why. And you see, he likes to hang out with these outcasts. Jesus' very reputation that the religious people meant as a slam is exactly who Jesus really is. He likes to hang out with those who are outcasts. He likes to hang out with those who are being prejudiced against. He likes to hang out with those who are being bigoted against. He likes to hang out with the outcasts, those being made fun of, those on the outside of the fringe. And not only is that Jesus' DNA and the very culture and mission of Jesus, it's also supposed to be the mission of Jesus' followers. We should be known for those people who love people other people don't love. We should be welcoming to those people who need to be welcomed when everybody else is unwelcoming them. Unfortunately, in America, many Christians are not known for what Jesus is known for here. We're known as bigots. We're known as those who hate. We're known as those who don't love well. Earlier in Matthew's story of Luke chapter 5, where Jesus calls Matthew to be one of his followers, Matthew also a tax collector. Matthew has a big party, and he invites all his other tax collector friends, and he invites all his other friends who are non-followers of God. And they have this party, and Matthew invites Jesus because he wants Jesus to meet all of his friends who are far from God. And these same Pharisees and religious bigots are standing outside of Matthew's house, watching the people come into Matthew's party, watching Jesus go into that party. And they say the exact same words they're saying here. This man eats with sinners, and he hangs out with them. Jesus says in Luke chapter 5, verses 31 and 32, those who are well have no need of a doctor, but those who are sick need a doctor. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Sinners are the reason that Jesus came. If you feel far from God the Father, you feel like an outcast, you feel like you're sinning, you feel like you're not being included, you're not in the mainstream, you don't know how to get out of it, you're just stuck, just can't seem to get it right, be encouraged, my friends, because you are the reason that Jesus left heaven and came to earth. The shepherd who is seeking you. So as we read these three stories, we see a theme that runs through all of them. The first thing is this, something of great value was lost. In all three stories, something of great value was lost, a sheep, a coin, and a son. The coin, the 99, Jesus says, the, sheep, the shepherd will leave the 99 in the open field to go after that one lost sheep. Coin was perhaps all the woman had to live on. The, the son certainly mattered to the father. And the truth is, people matter to God. Amen? Not just people. All people matter to God. All people are created in the image of the same God. There's always been people who were looked at like they don't matter by some other group of people. At this time, my friends, the Jews looked at you and me, Gentiles, non-Jewish people, and looked at us as sinners just for being a Gentile, outcast, outside of God's love. Throughout history, there have always been people, whether it was Nazi Germany and the Germans hating the Jews, or the South in the Confederacy where whites hated black people and 
And, and, and the Turks hate the, the Greeks and the Palestinians hate the Jews. There are always someone out there who believes they're superior to someone else. And they look at them and believe they just don't matter. And the danger of that is this. Because we think they don't matter to us, we also believe they don't matter to God. And that is a lie from hell. And Jesus tells these three stories to clear up any doubt in anyone's minds, whether it's the Jewish leaders or those who felt like they were less than. He wants everybody to know that all people matter to God. All people. All people. Something of great value was lost. So I thought, who in our society today are people hating on? Who is it easy to look at and just devalue and talk about in derogatory terms? No matter who they are, they matter to God, whether they matter to you or me or other Americans, they matter to God. They're created in the same image as God. They come from the same parent that we came from, Adam, and then Noah. We are all created in the image of the same God. Amen? Different races, immigrants, refugees, foreigners, Muslims, illegal aliens, sinners who have sinned great sins, we say they all matter to God. And just because they don't matter to some people does not mean they don't matter to God. And if you're here today and you're feeling like you're one of those outcasts, I want you to hear you matter to God. You matter to God. So something of great value was missing. Secondly, that which was missing required an all-out search. I mean an all-out search. Jesus is talking about a story where the shepherd leaves 99 sheep, and got to catch this, in the open country where lions and wolves and all kinds of bad things can get these sheep. And the shepherd's the only thing that can protect the sheep. But that one sheep that walks away is so valuable to the shepherd that he will leave the 99 to go find the wandering lost sheep. I want you to know that Jesus is pursuing you. He has been pursuing you all your life, whether you believe it or not, whether you're cognizant of it or not, whether you are aware of it or not, Jesus has been pursuing you, and the fact that you're here today is another aspect of Jesus pursuing you. The shepherd looking for you, wanting to look deeper into your heart, wanting to take you deeper, wanting to bring you home. Wherever you are, he's been pursuing you. Just the fact that Jesus left heaven to come to earth to chase all of us sheep. He's the shepherd. He's pursuing you. He's looking for you. Maybe you're watching online. You don't know why you're watching today because you never watch. I want you to know Jesus is pursuing you. The woman swept the whole house. The father looked down the road and saw the son coming, and he took off running to meet the son. You are being pursued by the love of the father in Christ Jesus. Jesus knows where you are. He knows your name. He cares about you. He loves you. And Jesus is far more willing to save sinners than sinners are to be saved. Something of great value was missing. It required an all-out search, but we really learned something here about the condition of mankind. We really learned something about human beings Human beings will follow the natural bent of their own heart. We are hardwired to walk away from God. We are hardwired 
to sin. We are hardwired to reject the things of God. It's not natural. It takes something supernatural in us to break that and restore that and reconcile that inside of us and save that and move us toward God. One commentator said, the worst ignorance in the world is to not know ourselves. I agree. Solomon says in Proverbs 4, wisdom is supreme. Get wisdom. Though it costs all you have, get understanding. If you don't know yourself, if you don't have the understanding of what you are, who you are, what you're drawn to, what you're not drawn to, what gets your attention, if you don't know it, it will cost you. And some of you have paid a huge price for your lack of understanding about yourself, about your lack of understanding for God. And you know what I'm talking about. You've been there. You've paid the price. It's been a high price. Not only did he not know himself, he did not know the Father. Oh, if you really knew the Father, you wouldn't leave the Father. If you really knew the Father, you wouldn't stay in the far country. Jesus said in John chapter 17, verse 3, this is eternal life, that you may know the Father, the one true God, and Jesus, his Son. Do you know him? Because if you know him, you won't leave him. And if you know him, you won't stay in the far country. If you want to know him, he wants to be known. But man is running away from that acknowledgement. They cannot apprehend that truth. Human beings will worship something or they will worship someone We all have an authority in our life. You can't live life without having some authority. We all have some worldview, a worldview. We have to have a worldview, the lens by which we look through, by which we make decisions and process information. You have to have an uh, authority. You have to have a worldview. And for many, they have made themselves God. I want I don't want. I don't want to. I don't like. I like this. I want to be happy. I want to feel good. And by making ourselves God, by making ourselves our own authority and following our worldview and lens of what we want, we leave the Father and head to the far country. Look at how the young son begins the conversation with his father in verse 12. Father, what's he say? Give me. That's the way it starts. Give me. I want. Well, son, it's not what I want. I don't care what you want, Father. It's what I want. I'm God. I'm in charge. I'm the authority. My worldview of me being happy is the lens by which I see all things. It's what I want. It's what I need. This is the ultimate condition of human beings. Give me. I want. And if you live for yourself, you will soon live by yourself. We also see the condition of man. We see that sin is a hard and bitter master. When we go after what we want, we follow sin. Sin is a hard and bitter master. It's a destroyer. It's a devourer. Look at the younger son's steady decline into sin and squalor. He has a father, but he makes himself fatherless. He has a home, but he makes himself homeless. He has money, but he makes himself a pauper. Life apart from God is a slow death, and apart from God, we are living to die, but repentance is dying to live. Servants of sin always find out that the cost of sin is very high, but they usually find it out too late. Sin takes you farther than you wanted to go. 
It keeps you longer than you wanted to stay, and it costs more than you wanted to pay. Sin's a hard and bitter master. But also sin makes you crazy. Sin makes you crazy. That whole I want, I need, I don't want to, I don't like to, I want to do what I want to do. Sin makes you crazy. I mean, really insane, makes you crazy. It causes you to be satisfied with slop as this younger son. We begin to think that slop in the pig pen, it's not so bad. It doesn't taste so bad. It doesn't smell so bad. It's not the best, but I know people who have it worse. It's not so bad. Verse 17, it says, he came to him since his senses, which Jesus is trying to let us know. The man was crazy. Sin makes you crazy. It suggests that he'd been out of his mind in rebellion and in his sin. He lived a nightmare and he called it a dream for a season. We all know people like this. We don't want to say it straight out all the time, but we look at them and go, they're out of their mind. They're crazy. They're doing things. They're hanging out with people. They're involved in stuff. And all the normal people are going, they're crazy. Why would they do that? Why would they date her? Why would they date him? Why are they hanging out? They're crazy. They say, no, I'm good. I'm happy. It's okay. I think it's going to work out. I think leaving my family is best for the children. And all the people around him are going, you're crazy. How can you think like that? Nobody thinks like that unless they're crazy. You might know what I'm talking about. Anybody ever been there? And people are looking at you going, you're crazy. Why would you do that? Why would you hang there? Why would you date them? Why would you marry them? We get crazy. A man or woman cannot repent until they see the insanity of their sin in the light of God's goodness and God's love. You are working in a pig pen, young man, young woman. You're hoping the pigs don't eat all of the pig food so that you have something to eat. The problem is pigs usually don't have leftovers. That's why they're called Your father has a beautiful house. He has a bath. He has servants that have plenty to eat. And you're living in a pig pen with nothing to eat and no place to live. You know what that sounds like? That sounds like he's crazy. He's crazy. That's insane. Who would choose that? Some of you are living in a pig pen during the week and you take a shower on Sunday morning and you look clean when you come into this father's house, but you're bringing your pig pen heart and when you leave, you go right back to the pig pen. I want you to know that's crazy. You're not in your right mind. Your senses have deceived you. This young boy gradually slid to a place where it just looks like he's crazy. His sin has devoured him. But then something happens. We see the only way back home, and it's through a word called repentance. Repentance. It's a change. It's a change of heart. It's a change in direction. I'm going this way. I'm going to go this way. It's a change. It's, it's action-based. It's a literal change. Verse 17, he came to himself. Or some translations say he came to his senses. He begins to think about the Father. 
He starts thinking about the Father. He starts thinking, my goodness, this is crazy. Why am I doing this? Why, where did I, why did I choose this? How did I end up here? He had a change of heart, a spiritual aha moment. He realizes that he left as a prince, but now he is a pauper. And I have a home, and I have food, and I have a family. Why am I living in a place where I have no food, and no home, and no family? This is crazy. He comes to his senses. Deception is beginning to fade. But thinking alone is not repentance. Thinking alone is not a change of heart, but it may be the beginning. Then it leads to conviction. I have sinned against heaven and my Father. Conviction is good, but conviction is not repentance or conversion either it's beginning to head down the right path but it's not repentance yet it's one step closer to the right direction thinking is good but it's not repentance conviction is good but it's not repentance repentance is actually changing directions He could have thought all of these things. You know what? My father's got a great house. He's got hired servants. This is stupid. Why am I living in a pig pen? But if he keeps living in the pig pen, all of the thinking and and conviction of being in the pig pen won't change anything. It's a start. But repentance hasn't come yet. You have to go beyond thinking. You have to go beyond feeling bad. You have to go beyond feeling remorse. You have to go beyond feeling terrible about the consequences your sin brought. There's more. You have to go beyond, I need to change. I need to be a better husband. I need to be a better wife. I need to be a better father. I need to be a better Christian. I need to share my faith more and get more bold. I need, I need. We all know we need something. Need doesn't bring repentance. I know you need something. I need something. But do you want it? Do you want it? And are you willing to change, repent, to get it? Repentance doesn't come until verse 20. He's thought about it. He's felt conviction. He's confessed his sin. But until verse 20 comes, and he arose and came to his father, he arose and he went home. Until he stood up and stepped out of that pig pen and started heading home, repentance had not happened yet. Repentance is a change. It's I've got a new worldview. I've got a new authority in my life. I don't follow me. I follow him. Repentance. And when he came home, he brought nothing with him. Didn't bring any pigs. Didn't bring anything with him. He just left it all. Charles Spurgeon said, the prodigal, when he arose and went home, became in a measure reformed from that very moment. They said, how do you say? Well, he left the swine trough. More than that, he left the wine cup and he left the harlots. He did not go with the harlot on his arm and the wine cup in his hand and say, oh, I take these with me and go to my father. It could not be. These were all left. And though he had no goodness to bring, yet he did not try to keep his sins and come to Christ. He left it all and he came home. Repentance. Zacchaeus was a man who was also a tax collector. And when he came to faith in Jesus Christ, Zacchaeus yells, everything I have, I'm going to give half of what I have to the poor. And for every person that I defrauded at the tax collector's booth, I'm going to give them back four times what I stole from them. Jesus said, salvation has come to this house. Repentance. The woman at the well who had many husbands and was currently living and sleeping with with someone that was not her husband. She meets Jesus. She comes to faith in Jesus. She goes home. She moves out of the house. Repentance. Faith has come to her. 
The rich young ruler came to Jesus, how can I be saved? Jesus knew that the authority of his life was his money, and he said, I want you to repent. He didn't use the word, but he's saying, I want you to sell everything you have and give it to the poor. The man said, I can't do that. No salvation. Jesus says, you come by faith in me and make me the authority of your life. What's holding you that you're not repenting from? Do you have a foot in the old country while you're trying to come to the Father's house? What's one area you cannot give up authority? The word I use for repentance is amputate. Amputate. It's a real, boy, definitive word. You cut some arm off and you throw it away and you can't come back and go, boy, I'd really like to put that arm back on. No, it's gone. It's of no use for you, no value to you. You can't use it. Again, you don't want to get back to that. Amputate is repentance. Some of you are in a sinful relationship, flirting with someone. You're married and you're messing in relationships that are detrimental and they're sinful to God. They're sinful relationships. Amputate it. Amputate it right now. Amputate it today. Don't call, don't text, don't talk to, don't look at, don't meet with. Amputate it. Amputate it. Or keep on living in the pig pen. That's where you're headed. Some of you, especially men, struggle with pornography. Amputate it. Get a flip phone. Cancel your internet service. Get five or 10 or 50 accountability partners. Do whatever you have to do. Amputate it. Amputate it. Well, what would I do? I, I got to have internet. I got to, it won't work. If I don't have a phone, I won't be able to work. Amputate it. Jesus said it'd be better to walk through this life maimed than to lose your soul. Amputate it. Some of you are hanging out with the wrong friends. You're dating the wrong people. You know it. Amputate it. Some of you are the wrong friends. I always wondered about that when I was growing up. People always said, you're hanging out with the wrong people. I always wondered what the people of the parents who said they were the wrong people, who they were, what they were saying to them. Did you ever wonder that? <laughs> Somebody had to be the wrong people. I stopped in my testimony saying I used to hang out with wrong people and just said, I was the wrong person. I thought somebody should own up to that. Nothing to be proud of. Some of you are the wrong people. People hang out with you and they're less likely to be followers of Jesus because they're hanging out with you. Some of you, money has taken over you, it's your authority. Acquiring things, stop shopping, stop spending, freeze, repent, give, stop spending on you and start giving to others. Some of you are gossiping and you continually talk about other people. Just stop talking. Repent and like for three days, don't talk. What about it? Nothing. Just don't talk. Just give it a rest. Let other people have a break, for God's sake. Some of you are bitter. People have hurt you, and you're holding on to that forgiveness. It's keeping you in the far country. Amputate it. Amputate it by forgiving and releasing the people who hurt you. You don't come to the Father's house. You leave the far country first. Then you come to the Father's house. Some of you keep trying to drag the far country into the Father's house. It does not work. Amputate it. Look at how he changed in verse 12. Give me. And look what he says in verse 17 and 18. Make me. In the ESV it says, Treat me like your servant. 
Boy, look at the humility. Give me. Make me. Treat me as one of your servants. Give me what's rightfully mine. Just make me whatever you want me to be. And when that happens, true repentance happens. We see the Father's love. The Father loves you. My friends, look up here, everybody. The Father loves you. He loves you. He loves you. The Father's never one minute stopped loving you. In all of the dirt and the pig pen and the slop of the far country, he never stopped loving you. He stood on the front porch of the house, looking down the dusty road, hoping for the day, rooting for the day that you would come home. He loves you. He's not mad at you. He's not disappointed in you. He just wants you to come home. He just wants you to come home. The father sees his ragged, dirty, smelly son way down the road, and he takes off running. The son tries to give him the speech. He'd practiced and he'd written, and he practiced it probably a hundred times in that long walk home. Oh, father, I've sinned against heaven, and I've sinned against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me is one of your hired servants, but as soon as the father sees him, he runs to the son. The son starts the speech. Oh, father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called. Oh! And the father, I see him hugging him so tight that he mashes the son's mouth against his shoulder and the son can't get his speech out. I kind of wanted to, and while the son's trying to talk about the far country and he's trying to talk about the pig pen and he's trying to talk about the sins of the past, the father's already moved on to the future and moved on to the party. The son's still trying to hold on and to the past and the father's saying, hey, guys, get the calf, get the shoes, get the ring, get the robe, invite everybody you know, we're going to have a party tonight, my son's home. And for some of you who have lived in that far country, I just want to say this, encourage you. You're still beating yourself up about your far country. You're still regretting. You're still regretting the wild living. You're still regretting the choices. You're still regretting the unfaithfulness. You're still regretting the insanity and craziness and stupidity. I want you to know you're the only one thinking about it. You and the devil. The father's already on to the future, planning the party, living in the party. The fact that you came home. Don't let him, don't let the enemy keep you tied up into thinking about the past. The father loves you. The party is coming. He's thinking about the future, not the past. Coming home is the catalyst for a party. Repentance is the prelude to a party. Come home. Come home. You who are tired and weary of living the pig pen life, come home. Come home. How long do you want to stay in the pig pen? How long do you want to keep walking toward the far country. I've seen so many people in my few years here just leave their families. Leave their families. Make just horrendous decisions. And they just go and set up residence in the pig pen for the rest of their life. So sad. But you're here today. You, you don't have to. There's a way home. There's a way home. It's, it's called forgiveness, and it, it, it's by repentance. And the Father's re ready to throw a party and help put the pig pen in your past. But let me give you a quick warning as Jesus did. Oh, we were doing so good. 
And they began to celebrate that which was lost was found. They celebrated, oh, great. Oh, but there's an older brother. I really hate that guy. I have to repent of hating the older brother all the time. Because the older brother loves to confess your sins, but he never wants to confess his own. You ever notice that about an older brother? These religious people, they stayed home so they think they had it good, but their heart has always been in the far country. They're always there to remind you, but remember what you did? Remember what you said? Remember who you used to hang out? Remember, remember, remember? My friends, they'll always be there. Some of you, maybe like me, have been the prodigal son multiple times. And I want you to know, there are always older brothers. There are always people to judge and to criticize and remind you of what you've done. But you can't listen to them. You can't pay them any attention. I'm so sad that many of them are in churches, attend churches. They may not be Christians, but they go to church. But you can't let them be the authority of your life. While they're trying to take you back to remember the pig pen, the Father is trying to keep you at the party. Don't go back. Even if those old, older brothers try to drag you back, it's not who you are. As a matter of fact, when he gets home, you're a hired servant. He's not a hired servant. What does the father call him? Your son. He left a son. He thought he would come back a hired servant. He left a son. He came back a son. Just because you spend some time in the far country, don't let anybody think that that decreases your value to the father. No. The older son will try to devalue you. Don't let him. Don't let him. Because there's more joy in heaven over a sinner who repents than all those older brothers who think they don't need anything. Come home. Matter of fact, Romans chapter 11, verse 29, Paul says, the gifts and the calling of God are irrevocable. That means no one can take them away. The gifts and the calling of God are irrevocable. If you thought you were now disqualified because you spent time in the far country, that's a lie from hell. The gifts and calling of God are irrevocable. God never takes them back. Put the ring on his finger. Put the sandals on his feet. Put the robe on his back. Kill the fattened calf. My son was lost. My daughter was lost. They're now home. We're going to have a party. We're going to have a party. Some of you are prodigals and you need to come home. You've spent way too much time in the far country. You're dabbling, you're dangling, you're flirting with. You've been there too long. It's time to come home. It's time to come home. Some of you are the older brother and you've been critical. You have been bigoted. You've been prejudiced. You have spit on the mercy and the grace of God in people's lives by judging and confessing other people's sins and gossiping. It's time to come home. Older brothers can come home too. And we're going to do something today we don't do a lot here, but because of the story of the visual of the son walking and coming home. If you're in any of those categories, you wandered away like the sheep, you were, people were careless with you like the coin, or the lost son that was rebellious and intentionally went away, or maybe you're the older son who's been rebellious in your hard heart. They're the hardest, the hardest to get. Those Pharisees, hardly any of them, came to faith in Christ.
But we're going to physically walk down here today, and this, this altar is going to be a symbol of our home, the Father's home. And the journey you bring to come down here is your walk from the far country to here. And I know we don't do this often, but if you'd be willing to do that, would you just come right here? As we all stand up, just create some movement, I want to invite you to come and say, I want to come home. I want to come home. Let's all stand. Let's come forward and just stand right here at the front. Come home. Come home. You've been there too long. Come home. Heaven's ready to throw a party for you. Let it go. Leave it behind. Come home. Come home. The pig pen is no place to live. Amputate it. Amputate it. And by coming today, just a visual that I'm leaving the far country and I'm coming home. I want to come home. I want to come home. Some of you, as you're standing there, I've just asked you to pray. Pray for yourself. Examine your own heart. Am I on that road to wandering away to the far country? Am I dabbling in something I shouldn't be dabbling in? Am I an older son? Judging, criticizing, evaluating, placing values on people's heads. I want to come home. Evaluate your heart. If everybody out in the congregation would just bow your heads and pray. I want to talk to those of you who came forward. Could all of you come, Greg, all of you, could you come down this way so I can just talk to all of you? Look up here, you guys. I want you to know that the Father loves you. He's in love with you. Loves you, loves you, loves you. And he's not mad at you. He's not mad at you. He's not disappointed. He just loves you. And he wants you to come home. He wants you to come home. And he welcomes you. And there's a party in heaven and honor with your name on it. It's time to let go and amputate anything that lives in that far country. You've got to amputate it. And I want to pray with you right now. Father Jesus, God, I pray. I thank you for the coming to our senses and the commitment of repentance to come home, to get up and leave and come forward. Father, love them, shower them, celebrate with them, and now help them to make the practical steps they need to change what it is that they need to amputate. Maybe it's in their mind and they cannot let go of the things of the far country in the past. They just keep beating themselves up in regret. Lord, whatever it is, set them free. There are people here to help. And folks, as the section leaders are gathering around you in the light blue t-shirts, Section leaders, we're just going to walk right out this door, land and hold this door. If everybody would just walk out this door right here to your left, we're going to go to the care and prayer room, and they're going to continue to pray with you and talk to you. So let's go out this door. Folks, there was a celebration. Let's celebrate as these folks come home. Let's celebrate. Thank you for listening. More information about Foothills Church can be found online at foothillschurch.com.